Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. And we've been talking a little bit about false spiritual warfare teachings, and we're working our way through CIC issue number 122, You can find that at the website, cicministry.org. Now, as we were talking last week, we mentioned the use, or more specifically, how Clinton Arnold uses the word appropriate as a verb. Now, you had some more ideas that you wanted to talk about with that. So let's talk about appropriate before we get into the rest of the material for today. Yeah, actually, I went and got my sheet that I had with me. Uh, were, were printed out every time he used that in his commentary in Ephesians. Okay. And I'm trying to figure out, is it correct or not? And I, I didn't think it was correct. And then we give, gave some illustrations last week. And so let me sort of set the stage of why this is important in case somebody just now tuned in. Okay. Let me read the first sentence of the section on Hellenistic magic in Ephesus, the background to Ephesians. Okay. In Ephesus, this is my writing, practitioners used magic to gain power and wealth through manipulation of the spirit realm. And then Clinton Arnold, he states this, Ephesians strongly emphasizes the theme of power. The whole concern of Hellenistic magic was how to obtain access and use supernatural power a power gained by manipulating the spirit world. Clinton Arnold in his book, Power and Magic in Ephesus. And he's correct. That's, that's it. I learned a lot from him about how Ephesians is addressing real concerns of people in that world. Okay. And what I've been saying for many years now is that, ironically, we're kind of back into that world. Right. Enlightenment rationalism, which emergent is always worried about, really isn't anybody's worldview or very few people. But we now are back to the magical, mystical world of the spirits in popular religion. Right. Okay. So we've talked about the armor of God. That's what this article is about. And that the, I'm claiming the armor of God is the gospel and attendant gospel truths. Truth, righteousness, readiness of the gospel, salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, and so on. It's all gospel issues. These are not magical things that are going to scare the demons. Right. And I also mentioned last week, for those that weren't here, that I noticed in his commentary in Ephesians, Clinton Arnold continually uses this word appropriate as a verb. Okay. And here's what I think is causing confusion, because I don't think that's the correct one. That word is not found in English translations of the New Testament. Appropriate something is this. If you have a budget that's set aside, and it could be used in certain ways, and you decided, I'm going to use part of our budget to buy a new computer. We were just talking about computers. So 
uh, that is Jessica and I off here. We were talking about computers. Well, what that means is you don't actually have that computer. Right. It's a potentiality. It's not on your desk. No. Nope. And you're not using it. Yeah. And whatever money could be used for buying a computer could also be used for something else. Mm -hmm. So to appropriate as a verb in the English language as we use it means to take what's potentially there and use it for a certain purpose. Okay. But here's why that is not helpful in describing the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. The armor of God, we're told we must stand in it. Right. And the reason we stand is that because these things are all true in Christ already. Ah, that's an important difference. With him in the heavenlies. All right. Yeah. We're already safe. And we've already believed the truth. We've yep. already yep. been rescued from the power of darkness. We've already been made alive. Some of these truths are in Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead. God made us alive. We're, we were lost. Now we're saved. We were unbelieving. Now we have faith. Okay? We okay, didn't okay. believe the word of God. Now we have the word, sword of the Spirit because we have the Spirit. So these are things that are true. And Paul is telling us to stand. Now in a subtle change... And here's where I'm going to have to disagree with Clinton Arnold, though I appreciate his work. It's helped me immensely. He used the term appropriate. I have a whole page of things that he does this with. And I think that that's where some others, like Neil Anderson, really get off coming up with all kinds of processes that we need. Okay. Yeah. But I'm saying we don't need processes. We need to believe the promises of God. Right. It's about what we already have. Right. You don't have to appropriate what's already there. Okay. So if I had a brand new computer in front of me, which I don't, and it easily handled video, and it didn't need a whole lot of more memory and everything, then yeah. Jesse yeah. and I wouldn't have to be talking about appropriating money somewhere for computers, right? <laughs> right. Okay, so that came to me between these two recording sessions. So let me read what Clinton Arnold says, and... And he's by far more um, solid in this than I'd say Neil Anderson, who really goes to some strange places. And okay. here's what he says. Quote from page 475 on his commentary on Ephesians. It's a different book that I'm reviewing in issues 122, but it's covering the same material. Okay. He says this, quote, appropriating this new identity is done over time as we apply ourselves to hearing and understanding the word of God, experience the work of the spirit in revealing these truths to us, opening our eyes to them, pray for ourselves to receive and to receive intercessory prayer from others and are deeply connected to the Christian community where we receive regular ministry, the regular ministry of people God has gifted to touch our lives. Or Christ has gifted. That's unquote. Clint Arnold. Now okay. notice that that's all a process. Yes. Okay. This new identity is done over time. No, that's not what Ephesians has taught us. 
That's not once for all. Right. That's See, not, the, yeah. the way is the once for all. Now, last week we talked about how people would plead the blood over something or try to use it as a term to drive out the demons. Right. But we said the truth is the overcoming of the accusers of the blood is believing what Christ did once for all when he shed his blood for us. Mm -hmm. We don't appropriate the blood. We believe in the efficacy of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. Right. We've already been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That happened right. at conversion. Right. So the once-for-all is what goes away in these processes that are uh, coming to us through books of evangelicals. Okay. And then every generation has a new set of deliverance counselors and teachers and ministers and curse breakers they come up with their new books and they're based loosely on scripture because they quote a lot of scripture, but this is where the kicker is. This is where it all goes off the rails rather okay. than stand, which is the imperative, which Clinton Arnold tells us we want to appropriate things. And so we think that, well, the reason this isn't working the way I wish it would is maybe I didn't appropriate it. Oh no. And then, Somebody like Neil Anderson comes up, as we've shown previously, this big checklist we have to go through. Right. And statements. Say this, renounce this, affirm that, renounce this, affirm that. So you're trying to appropriate things. And so all of a sudden, once for all goes away, faith alone goes away, scripture alone, at least all of these things, if they don't go away, they at least are damaged and added to, and we don't have standing anymore. We're trying to appropriate something. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So that's why I believe the New Testament never uses the, the verb appropriate in any of the English translations of the Greek, and I looked through many of them. It's not right. in any of them, okay, because it's not what the Bible's teaching us. Right. It's not the same idea. Appropriate as a verb is not synonymous with believe, and it's not synonymous with stand. All right. And so we know that God tells us to believe, and we know clearly from Ephesians 6 in the armor of God that he tells us to stand. Yeah. And we are also told to do something, which is to preach the gospel. Yes, that's okay. our true spiritual warfare. Preach right. the gospel. That's how God delivers people from Satan's domain. But that's not what's popular. Because people are afraid that they're still going to have problems. And listen very carefully, dear saints. This is not a new issue, but it's one that we have to pay attention to because it's what tripped up the Israelites in the wilderness. Okay. Because as soon as they had problems after they were rescued from bondage in Egypt and brought to God, then they started thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't working right. And they did all sorts of things and it was bad. Well, the worst one obviously was building the golden calf yeah, Saint yeah. Asa was your God. Well, that was pure apostasy. 
But there were other instances, and Hebrews mentions these in warnings against apostasy. They didn't have meat. They got tired of the manna. Right. So that was their problem. They didn't think Moses was doing a good job. Let's, let's raise up some other person besides the one God gave us, Moses, who was the one who was on Sinai and was the true lawgiver. Just like today, we have false prophets and apostles who aren't satisfied with Jesus and his apostles. Right. Okay. They, they, the water issue, well, we don't have good water. There's bitter water. There's not enough water. We're going to perish. We had it better off back in Egypt. Christians start okay. thinking, I better find some help because I don't know that my life's a whole lot better than my unsaved friends out here. Right. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then they start thinking, well, something isn't right. I should have at least better off than they do. I should have more money and more health or, or something should be better. Well, maybe we didn't do it right. Or maybe yeah, I yeah. missed something. Or maybe I need to buy some of these books about how to how to become an overcomer. And then there's all these processes. Yeah. In Neil Anderson book, and uh, you were mentioned there's new ones out there in my library of false teaching goes back quite a few decades, and some of which after I've reviewed them, I got rid of some are still hanging around, but that it's always something. Right. Cora has a better idea. Didn't work out too good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. We're called to stand firm in the gospel. Believing means we don't give up. We don't get intimidated because there's still problems because we're not in heaven. We don't have our glorified bodies. We believe the promises of God. That message is found in the Old Testament. Yes. Look at the ones who scouted out the lands and just believed that God would do what he said he would do. Right. They didn't say there aren't any problems. They just were reminded of what God said he would do and that God is greater than all problems. Yes. Okay, so... Here's what we want to warn about. We don't uh, look for techniques to manipulate the world of the spirits. Right. All right. Here's, here's something that's interesting in that I quote from Clinton Arnold's really great book about magic and ancient Ephesus. Okay. He actually started Christianizing the pagan practices already early in church history. Right. Besides, even in, during the times of the Bible, which we're warned about, but this was a little bit later. So I'm going to quote a section of this. It's in my article from some extant magical papyri. Quote, interestingly, two of these, and he's referring to Christianized magical papyri, depict Artemis as an intruding demon. The text begins with adjuration that the quote within the quote scorpion Artemis would be bound. And it continues with the aim that the household be protected from all evil and for the astral spirits or from the astral spirits. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they had incantations that Christians used to bind Artemis. Oh, wow. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. 
issue one and two of Critical Issues Commentary published in 1992 show that binding and loosing isn't about binding Satan. So that was one of my first articles. Mm -hmm. Way back. Okay, let me continue this quote. The text invokes the aid of Mary, who gave birth oh. to Christ. So they were already calling on Mary really early on. Right. Okay, before any sort of formalized Roman Catholicism, Christians were becoming paganized and calling on Mary. So back to the quote, the text invokes the age of, aid of Mary together with Sabaoth, Solomon, and a number of other magical names. Most of these papyri, which were, were the type of material they were found on, by the way, give recipes for constructing amulets to protect the wearer from evil spirits. Clinton Arnold, page 38 of his book on power and magic in Ephesus. So that's the end wow. of that quote. Now, mm -hmm. I've done my homework here. And we find out here that Christians get tempted to do the same things the pagans do. Right. Well, you might say, well, we don't have amulets. Oh, really? We don't? Well, here's one of the most famous Christian deliverance counselors and his three daughters. Yeah, and I want to show you, someone found this in a magazine and came to church and gave it to me. There's oh, wow. Bob Larson and his three daughters holding up crosses, which are jewelry, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, and they would use those when they go after the spirits that are afflicting Christians. Wow. So it says we don't have amulets. Right. They were doing that way back when. The Bible that... does not prescribe anything like this. In fact, it's forbidden. We're not supposed to be like the pagans. Okay? Yeah. Dear saints, I assume you know this. But who knows anymore what's taught in evangelicalism? Because Bob Larson and his three daughters aren't Catholic. Okay. No. Did you know that the cross is the event? There was a literal cross, but it was the one that Christ died on. Yeah. Okay. It's not extant. Nobody actually has it. It's a good thing because people would think that would do something for them. Oh, I, I hear there's a sliver from the cross of Christ at the Vatican. <laughs> oh, well, I, when I was in Israel in 83, they showed a stone. You don't, it was actually wore down over the centuries because people thought Jesus sat on it. Okay. Okay, so the default religion is just paganism. Yeah. There's no magical object that's going to do you any good. Right. There's no incantation. Appealing to Mary won't do you any good. Mary's a sinner saved by grace who's now in heaven. It's not omniscient. She can't hear millions of prayers. And it's wrong because there's one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus, not Mary. Right. So that's just flat out sinful. Yes. Okay, though they were doing this way back. I don't know the dating of that papyri that he mentioned, but probably first century, second century, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what they were doing. Uh, we have Bob Larson and his daughters with these crosses. The cross isn't a piece of jewelry. No. Well, and, I, 
think we need to clarify a little bit because there is still some confusion about this out there that I hear sometimes when we're talking about the cross or we're talking about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the entire work of atonement. We're talking about how we were made right with God. We're not talking about the piece of wood that he was nailed to. We're not talking about red cells and white cells and plasma. We're talking about the work of atonement. The cross itself was just a piece of wood and it was no more special than the cross that the thief hung on. Right, exactly. And um, remember, dear saints, a, a key word, once for all. It's one word in the Greek, hapax. Mm-hmm. Used in several times in the New Testament, including in Hebrews. The blood of Christ was shed once for all. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that's why going back to temple Judaism while the temple is still standing would be apostasy. Right. Because you're going back to the blood of bulls and goats, which can never take away sins. Mm-hmm. They look forward to the once for all shed blood of Christ. So it's the actual event. And you're right, Jessica. It's a figure of speech of where a part signifies the whole. Right. So when we say the blood, we're talking about the entire work of Christ on the cross that provided atonement. Mm-hmm. We can say the preaching of the cross, and we're actually including the resurrection. Right. The entire event. Yes. Okay. So that's a figure of speech, synodoki or metonymy. Okay. Part that designates the whole. That's the way languages work. It's shorthand. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not a piece of jewelry that you can go down and buy at the Christian bookstore. And it's not going to make the demons tremble. No, but they'll pretend to. <laughs> yes, because it takes your mind off of the actual atoning work of the cross of Christ. That's why I described that last time. These, the demons will say this and do that. So here's Arnold helpfully quoting some of these things that were going on, including Christian versions of it. Okay. In the early centuries. But the Jews had the same thing. We see it in Acts of the Sons of Sceva. I want to show you what I'm quoting from here. I have the works of Josephus in my logo software. Okay. They had their own version of exorcism that supposedly came from Solomon. Okay. So I'm going to quote this just to show that people want some process or some great person or whatever, rather than to stand firm and believe the promises of God, like we're called to do. Okay. Okay. Josephus, Jewish historian from the first century. Okay, here it is. God enabled him. Now he's talking about supposedly Solomon, by the way, this is from an apocryphal work that they got their material. Solomon didn't actually say and do these things. Okay. They thought he did. Okay. Uh, God enabled him to learn that skill, which expels demons, which is a science useful and sanitive to men. He composed such incantations also by which distempers are alleviated. And he left behind him the manner of using exorcisms by which they drive away demons so that they never return. Now, this was folk religion grounded in what they thought Solomon had done. Okay. And so they had his secrets. And if we learned them, we could cure ills and drive away demons. Okay. Okay. So, and this method of cure is of great force, Josephus says to this day. 
And he says, for I have seen a, a certain man on my own country, whose name is Eliezer, releasing people who were demonical in the presence of Vespasian and his sons and his captains. So they had names and places. He put a ring that had a root of one of those sorts mentioned by Solomon to the nostrils of the de demoniac, after which he drew out the demon through his nostrils. And when the man fell down completely, he abjured him to return to him no more, still making mention of Solomon and reciting the incantations which he had composed. I won't read anymore. Okay. But this was a stamp material from Jew Jewish magical practices at the time of the apostles. Right. So it wasn't just the sons of Sceva. There were others. And they thought names would work. So sons of Sceva said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. The Jewish exorcists like Josephus, remember, uh, Jesus said, well, by whom do your sons expel demons? Yeah. Well, they adjured by Solomon. And they used a root. And they used magic. They tried to get the demon out. So, dear listeners, this stuff has been around for millennia. Okay? It's, it's part of magical, mystical folk religion. But it's not the revealed truth of the gospel. Okay. okay. The thing that delivers people from the domain of Satan is the once for all work of Christ and those who believe in him are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And what do you have? Release, redemption, forgiveness of sins. And this is what we stand in. Okay, so if you know this, just the reason I showed you the pictures, quoted these things from the ancient world, from Christian sources and Jewish sources, and then today is this. Don't get deceived by these processes, these incantations, these amulets, magical objects. Great people that supposedly have power over Satan that ordinary people don't have. Magical practices. People are deluded by these, and they have been for millennia. Yeah. They're deluded. They want to be like the pagans. If somebody says, believe the promises of God and trust Christ because you're his inheritance, he'll take care of you. That's all you have? I've literally yeah. had people tell me that. Well, there's this guy that for less than $1,000, he'll break your curse. And I say, well, if you don't come to Christ and trust him alone, you're going to be cursed no matter how much money you spend. Right. So here's, here's the options. We stand firm in the gospel. We believe the promises of God. And we never take the bait. In other words, if there's problems, difficulties, sorrows, which all people have in this world, we go to the throne of grace. We don't bail out and run after the incantations. Right. We don't buy the book, The Bondage Breaker, that sold a million copies, and it's filled with processes. Quasi-biblical ones, more biblical than Josephus. Quasi-biblical ones. But 
that's not what it means to stand firm. Yeah. To go through the long, long checklist and examine yourself to see which things you have to check off. Looking at yourself will not bring great faith. No. (laughs) All right. It's the opposite. It is. Bring it death, you know? Yep. All right. We are out of time for this episode of Critical Issues Commentary. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. We want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.